Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Good morning, gardening friends. How are you all? This is beautiful spring weather. I'm sure you agree. The team is here. Bev Daring, John Glidden, we're ready to go. 94841927. And don't forget, we do have an email that you can go to, gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And a big shout out to Alan Simons for always his highly entertaining breakfast program. And also to Vasco de Gama for supporting Alan this morning. Thanks, boys. And... A shout out to our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, for wrapping up the cycling just now. Appreciate that all. Faye Akara, how are you? I'm, I'm miffed, Ray. Miffed, miffed. Vasco da Gama. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's Peter Kelly, <laughs> a.k.a. Peter Kelly. <laughs> I'm just, um, it's just trending. It's just trending in here oh, on okay. a Saturday morning. Very good. Radio. Yeah, so I, I just follow it's Follow hard suit. to keep up, and it's it good that you've um, yeah promoted our emails because we don't have enough emails to talk no, about. No, we need more. <laughs> <laughs> We're saying that tongue in cheek, everyone, because we have lots of emails to get through, and we will uh, get through them this morning. We're also chatting at twenty past eight to Murray Bailey. Now he has an open garden coming up next weekend called the Waterview Garden. It looks. Beautiful. This one looks like, I call it a ray garden. It looks beautiful. Uh, it's one and a half landscaped acres, uh, manicured, and he will be talking to us about all the challenges that he overcame uh, to present this beautiful garden, the Waterview Garden, next weekend. Now that's in Bouvan. So that's Mandra direction. Yes, yes. Indeed. Okay, so that will be happening. So we will have a good chat with Murray uh, at 20 past eight and at five past nine. This is very interesting. It's Frog ID Week, and we're chatting with Jodie Rowley, leading scientist for Frog ID, curator of herpetology at the Australian Museum in Sydney. Don't think it gets any better than this. I know. Yeah, she's top of the top of the top wizard. of the wazza. Top of the wazza, and we're learning about uh, why frogs counting and how citizens can help make the difference. It's a very important subject, and you'll learn why at five past nine so we have two great interviews to go to today lots to chat about lots of things to keep up with <laughs> and it's just very very busy as as it is this time of the year and I think we're all out there gardening and I think now's the time to zhuzh the garden up isn't it heading towards dare I say it Christmas dirty yes word. six weeks to go so I'm yeah. going home to prune the roses today Yes. Well, I, I, I was thinking exactly the same. I was pruning a few things uh, in the last week and thinking it's about right. It's about right. You know, things mm-hmm. will be looking quite good by, by Christmas. So, yeah. Provided a, the weather plays the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's I've noticed things flowering a lot earlier this year. I had frangipani flowering this year and he doesn't normally flower till January. Hello. He's a late flowerer, and I'm like, January, February, if you don't mind, or even Gosh. later. And I'm like, 
Really? And he's flowering. I sent you guys a photo because I, oh, I was in beautiful. shock. I was in shock. <laughs> so there you go. Um, it's just different. Season to season, things change and you can't expect, we cannot expect routine in our garden. We right? cannot. Now, Ray, let's count back a little bit to last night because we went to an amazing event up in Swan View put together by Open Gardens and the Hawke Media Association and we were invited to a sundowner yeah. at the Open Garden for this weekend, Straw Farm. Yeah. And it is a spectacular garden. It's open all weekend, today and tomorrow, at 395 Peachy Road, P-E-C-H-E-Y Road in Swan View. And this, folks, if you think having a slope is a problem, this is how you can manage Overcome a slope. It. Oh, mm. my goodness. Mm. What an entrance. Yeah. A meandering mm. uh, path and driveway that mm. sort of weaved its way up the well, hill. It, and it had many pathways and mm. they all took you up the hill, but you could go different ways. Almost yeah. like swales and retaining walls. Yeah. And then there you were just greeted with this tapestry of plants and you had to touch them didn't you mm. like they were mm. yeah. oh, manicured and they there were. was fluffy soft perennials and he had a plant sale as well so cheap plants and a big variety of plants that he's got in the garden yeah, so if you see and like something you, you, you very could... well may be able to access it and mm. uh, you're very very cheaply as well so we had a beautiful evening and it was uh, very, very nice to catch up with anyone. But, you know, the highlight being seeing this garden. As soon as I got out of my car, I glanced up and I thought, yep, yeah, mm. this is this is this is good. Yeah. So we can easily and openly recommend that you go for a stroll. And uh, well, it's the name of it is called Straw, straw. Farm. Yeah. And Ross Burnett the built the house out of straw bales mm. so you know there's such a story and his sister wendy will be there helping over the weekend and she that, she put together a book about his garden and it's and just that, beautiful yeah yeah and the house is amazing isn't it yeah mm. i had to touch it I to, yeah you're right you have to touch everything it's very textural well, and it's when you a, go there. a drought um a drought-wise garden yeah it survives on minimal amounts of water yeah. he also has a recycled water system so what is used in the house goes on to the garden so yeah. that that's a big help um mm. but yes i recommend anyone who's got the time to get up there this weekend but there's many many other things on this weekend too that we'll get yeah. through but on that note with um straw farm um we can give away a double entrance to go and see straw farm if you'd like to see it it's open today and tomorrow we'll give you a double away uh just give bev a call right now and your name will be at the gate uh so give bev a call on 94841927 there's a double pass available that first correct caller first correct caller <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you want them to say Hello, Hi, my name Hello. Is. <laughs> yeah, so this is to see the straw farm this weekend and we absolutely 100% recommend it. And meeting Ross yesterday was an absolute delight. Very humble man, but a man with so much knowledge uh, and uh, with time to talk. You know, mm. he's very... Oh, he's passionate and proud. fastidious. Yeah. So we, we can oh, learn a lot. So we will bring Ross to you listeners in yeah, time to come. Yeah, talk to him and, uh, yeah, 
gain more wisdom and mm. more learnings from people like that. He's had Gardening Australia as well at, out to his property, I think. Yeah, pretty sure they came and did a visit with him at one point as well, showcased the, the xeriscaping aspect mm. of his garden. Yeah. So, yeah, guys, uh, recommend. Okay, we shall move on. All right. So what else is on this weekend? Uh well, a, a couple of things. Let's get these out of the way early. Yep. We will be talking about frogs, but it's also pollinator week. And there is a, for people who can't get out, a, a webinar, I think you call it, Powerful Pollinators is online tomorrow, Sunday the 12th. Now it's 12 p.m. AEDT. Is that Eastern... Yes. Daylight Standard time. Mm, Mm. Okay. And um, it's about encouraging insect pollinators in the landscape, which is something that we always want to do. Now, the Australian founder of Pollinator Week, Dr. Megan Halcroft, will be leading it up, along with Lee Hanna and Dr. Anna Karakan, who is a beekeeper, botanist and ecologist. And I know that... You know, the information that these people provide is outstanding. And for a lot of gardeners, when they see insects in their garden, they may well be thinking, oh, it's a pest. But everything is not a pest. And they're all important in the food chain. They're important for frogs and birds. So they're to be respected. So if you can't get out to the open gardens and if you've got time, just go to the AustralianPollinatorWeek.org website and look for powerful pollinators and you can sign up to be part of that webinar so you can just sit in the comfort of your own home and view it. It's mm. it's one that I would be very keen to listen to because we never stop learning. No. Mm. Now, also on this weekend is the Palm and Cycad and Fern Society combined show. Yeah. And that is at the Manning Community Centre, mm-hmm. corner of Bradshaw and Jarman Streets. So they will have lots of plants for sale, plants that you can't get anywhere else. In nurseries, With specialist yeah. growers who yeah. are always happy to provide advice. Uh, and that's where I'm going to be heading to straight from here today. Me too. You, you can always get well-priced plants if you've got a, a tropical-style garden or you've got gaps where there's shade. There are some hardy ferns, but you might be looking for indoor plants, raphis palms, mm. all all sorts of mm. plants that you actually won't find in, in your local retail stores. No, you won't. And these these fairs are, are very important and make them so much more interesting buying directly off the growers. Yeah. And on top of that, of course, they're run by the societies who have regular meetings. So. Mm. You know, it's not a bad idea to get along to some of those regular meetings and and learn more. There's Mm. so many different aspects to Mm. enhance your gardening knowledge and ability. And Mm. if you think you're not a green thumb, do some more homework and and get amongst people who who are doing it and you can't help but learn. It rubs off. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. So, no, I will be heading there myself. To, to have a have a have a look. Now and if you are heading out there tomorrow, mm. you'll be in the area of the camera club's photo market. So I have to let you know about that because many gardeners like taking photos as well. And that's actually at the South Perth Community Hall 
uh, corner of South Terrace and Sandgate Street from 8.30. So get so in there that? early. It's um, a photo market. So, you know, photographers are often up upskilling and buying better equipment and then there becomes this big market for cameras that are not, they're not necessarily old, but the camera enthusiasts have gone to better mm. better quality gear. So mm. they're well looked after and a whole plethora of products that come out for sale mm. that, yeah, okay. people can grab a bargain. So that's the, the photo market and it's 11.30. I have to check what time it finishes, but photo market, workshop camera club and NEPG. Okay. And I, 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 I trotted along to the cactus and cacti and hoya society. Uh, Epiphytic, Epiphytic cactus Thank you. Thank you. Uh, last weekend on the Saturday and that was going gangbusters in there and uh, there were some beautiful displays of of uh, plants in there and uh, I went I came away with a cutting actually. Did you? Yeah. What did you get? Uh, well, actually, it's it's actually a little bit of a, an unknown. And, Ooh. Uh, yeah, so it's... it's Does uh, it flower? They call that noid, don't they? No ID. Mm. Yeah, well, I assume, I assume it does, but it was absolutely beautiful. And that was given to me by the vice president. We've had the lady on air. Lorraine? Yes. yes. Yes, we've had her on air. And I said we'll have her back, uh, mm. you know, soon. I know she's shifting house at the minute, so she's busy. But she gave me the stunning cutting and I'm sorry hopefully I'll strike that because I said to her I, I took I said there's one particular plant I really really like and she said show me and I did and she said look I do know the owner of that you may be able to get a cutting I said oh really and of course she owned it and uh, she gave me a cutting she was playing with me but actually no it was uh well worth uh going along and seeing what was on display they'd had their judging and meeting that mm. took place up until midday and uh, yeah, so it was. Uh, They're a great good, group. Why I mention mm. that is because I think it's another great club to get involved mm. in. And some of these clubs, it's like ten dollars to join. Well, you know, and the value that you get out of that, wowee! Yeah, I know. That's why and I mention it. Actually, I invited myself along to a North of the River succulent get together on uh, Thursday, and that was at the President's Garden, right in Nangara. Thank you, Irene. Uh, lovely gathering of people, but around 20. Um, and it's just a, a North of the River group that get yep. together. Yeah. And um, beautiful garden and they had a plant swap and a morning tea. And it's just nice, yeah, right? It was These are great things really, to get involved in. Really yeah. lovely to be amongst fellow gardeners and ooing and ahhing over the ripsalis and the epipheliums and the cottage garden plants and the bushland and oh it's just well when the world out there time. is going crazy and driving you mad every time you hear a news report just join a garden club that's yeah. our recommendation <laughs> and today's program is sponsored by safety bay settlements settling and transferring properties across wa since 1977 now our lines are free 94841927 as we mentioned coming up at 20 past eight we're chatting with murray bailey let's go to a break and we'll do that on the other side Radio. and you're with ray and faye this is let's talk gardening it's 22 minutes after eight and as mentioned on the pre previously before our little sponsor break we're chatting about the waterview garden with murray bailey hi murray how are you going good morning ray and faye and good morning to all your listeners <laughs> good morning it's a lovely day isn't it 
Oh, absolutely superb. Windy, of course. I love yeah. it. It dries everything out. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the wind, I have to admit, at all. So it, it, it wreaks havoc. How are things going for the preparation of your open garden oh, ne- next weekend? Look, it, it's, it's great. Look, I, I plan the garden every day. And um, my um, wife uh, says, calls it my, um, my mistress. So uh, I, I get out there and enjoy her every day. But... Um, Look, I'm looking forward to it. Um, yes, it's um, it's quite exciting, actually. And you do like a challenge, don't you, Murray? Look, the, <laughs> the property was a challenge. It was a bigger challenge than we had uh, thought would be here. Um, the water is the main problem because, as we all know, without water you don't have life. And we've made adjustments to it. It's very high in salt. It's virtually pumped off directly off the estuary but we've uh, changed the garden to suit it when i retired in 2013 i um, had a lot of time of course to work in the garden and realized that i was doing the wrong type of garden so in 2016 i decided i'd make changes and um, I started putting in different garden beds. I added 400 new plants. That was bushes and grasses. Of course, there's been a lot more added since then. But what I've tried to do is create what the Japanese call a strolling garden, one that you wander through, you stop, you sit and enjoy. And I've put in uh, little garden seats so when people walk through, they can sit down and, and enjoy it. When the uh, when people arrive at the property, once they come through the front gate, it's actually a lovely walk just down the driveway. When they get up to the house, they'll find there's a pathway to the left that'll take them back up through the front garden. But if, when they walk past the front of the house and turn right, they come out to the back garden. When I retired, I built um, some begolas at the back uh, just to make it a little bit interesting. Now, you wander through those bagolas, they direct you to the main bagola at the back, which it's lovely. It's only about uh, 40 metres from the water's edge of the estuary. And um, <clears throat> in that, we've got a sitting area, we've got a pizza oven, a dining table with 12 chairs. Lovely place to break bread and, and have a glass of wine with friends. Yeah. You can look down... Th- uh, 11 k to the cut it from the estuary and then sit there and look back over the garden to the house. Oh my goodness, it sounds just divine. Oh look, it really is lovely. I, look, I, I'm a little bit biased of course, but um, it's, it is absolutely lovely to walk through and Sue and I are actually really spoiled as we say we've got so many lovely places to sit down and have a cup of tea have a glass of wine we are really spoiled we do live in a little bit of paradise yeah and um, you know it's always nice to share it with people but uh, yeah sorry uh, you go on um yeah so after you've uh, been down the back it's lovely you wander back up to the house there's six stairs up to the uh, upper garden, which is a garden I created for Sue. It's um, got a lovely pergola up there with hanging baskets, and it's her herb garden where she grows tomatoes and things. And from that area, um, there's an area what Sue calls a yoga deck because that's where she does her yoga. 
that's off our bedroom, so we get a lovely view across the garden in the morning when we have a cup of tea. And uh, then you can wander around the front of the pool up another six to our entertaining area. And um, I believe the um, the girls will be sitting up there for uh, coffees and tea, so people can sit up there. There's lounges, there's a dining table and chairs, and they can just enjoy a view over the pool, over the back garden to the estuary. Wow, you've certainly painted a picture in my mind. And the photos that I've seen, Murray, it is a garden that I think I would love. Uh, it sort of ticks all my boxes. Uh, it, the preparation is, is incredible to get a garden like this up for uh, visitors. Uh, is this the first time you've opened this garden? or? Yes, yes, it is. Um, we have a, a friend, um, an ex-door neighbour, who is uh, part of the gardening club. I see. And... Um, She's been coming down here uh, for 16 years and she knows how difficult it's been and uh, she's watched the changes. And what she does is she occasionally sends me a tropical tree to try and grow. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like I, When she does that, I realise how much she doesn't like me. <laughs> and, um, yeah. yeah, so there's always a challenge. But, um, yeah, so she suggested to the club that they came and saw us, which I was very happy to um, chat to the girls and uh, but um look it's it's an I think it's an interesting garden. I think it's one that when people see it they'll realise that we're actually gardening on beach sand with uh, poisonous water. Um but you can create a garden if you persevere. And it sorry. I, I'm keen for you to share with the listeners about the sort of maintenance that you do in the garden and the numbers of your your topiary plants. Oh, um, it's it's interesting. I, I um, when I uh, start uh, doing my little hedging, I get out there. I just did it recently with the uh, native wastrinias who very kindly tend to shape themselves into a ball anyway, but. After I'd spent a day out there, you know, eight hours with a hedger in my hand, Grief. I thought, oh, I, I just might count up the number of wastrinias, forgetting all the uh, um, other plants, and uh, <laughs> there were over 220. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, well, look, it, when I do the lawns, when I there's a lot of edging to be done. That takes me an entire day. I go through a, a full brand new edging blade every time I do it. So um gives you an indication of how much there is there. Well, you must uh, really love doing what you're doing. Oh, I do. Yeah. I do. And uh, we, Sue and I have a rule that um, once I get out there, I come up for morning tea, come up for lunch, but my day must end between... Five and five thirty. In the past, she's been calling out to me and just saying, "Just in case you don't realise, Murray, it's dark. I think it's time to come in." Yeah, <laughs> I know yeah. that. I, I I have similar at my house. It's dark. It's about time you came inside. It's amazing <laughs> what you can do in the dark. You know? oh, it is. It is. <laughs> There's always that wonderful moon. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. wonderful. Uh, I, we certainly encourage everyone to get along next weekend to view the Waterview Garden. No pun intended. Look, at, look at, they they won't be disappointed. It no. really is uh, a nice environment to, uh, to to live in, and look, they can. Bring a sandwich with them and sit down in the back and the, the pergola and just enjoy yeah, it. Just Come up, as I said, onto the uh, 
entertaining area, which is a lovely big area. And you become and, part uh, of the landscape. Mm. Well, the, the, the house um, is a black timber um, cedar house, and oh. uh, which was designed by uh, our younger son, Kristen Bailey. He's a fabulous house designer. And that just sits in the environment perfectly. It's, um, it virtually just disappears. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a lovely place to spend my life. Okay. We're, we're suitably jealous now. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Yeah. And what charities are you supporting, Murray? Look, I'm, I'm just allowing the gardening club to, um, to send the money to yeah. whatever okay. uh, cause they think is worthy. Perfect. They know a lot more about it. They have a list of uh, charities they support yeah. and uh, whatever they support, we'll be very happy with. Okay. We, we're, we're just grateful that we can give people the opportunity to come in and uh, and support charities. Absolutely. So, Murray, 18th and 19th of November, that's next Saturday and Sunday from 10am 10, 10 yeah. to 4pm. And the address, this is an easy one, 15 Water view. Water view, Bavard. Now, oh. the, the water view, the view actually is like Street Boulevard Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, if they put in water view as one word, they won't find it. It's uh, it's just off Estuary. Uh, is Crescent Road is just off Estuary Road, where Estuary Road is 11 k's south of the Bavard um, Cuffs, you know, the, the channel. And um, Crescent is on the uh, right-hand side, the only road on the right-hand side. The rest of it's going to be Estuary. You come down there, Waterview, we are the first house on the corner. And you know what, Murray? Open Gardens do a fantastic signing, job of signing. putting out signage. Just look <laughs> for the house. yellow yeah. signs and banners. Yeah. So and they'll, be, they'll, be, on, they'll be on the main road. So, yeah, yep. so people will be able to follow those. And, uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. I, As I said, I think um, people will come here and really enjoy it. And it is a lovely part of the world, which a lot of people actually don't realise exists. Exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. you take it easy this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't wear yourself out before next weekend because you will be have lots of people to mm. to meet and greet. Yes, well, I'll be here. I'm. Um, I do. My staff used to call me Murray like the chat, so um, I'll be, here to, I'll <laughs> yeah. be here to answer any questions that uh, oh, people might uh, want to throw at me. All oh, right. you take care, Murray, and have a great week. We'll Rain see you next Faith. weekend. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to you girls and talk to your listeners. Yeah, Thank no, you're you. welcome. Go well, Murray. Take care. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. What a lovely man. I know. I spoke to him yesterday morning and he told me he'd been off to the gym. And then he told me that it, it helps with the hedging and the volume, the sheer volume of hedging and edging to get yourself that he has to do. all over so that you can physically manage the garden. It's just, wow. It's just incredible. Hats off to, to the yeah. garden owners yeah. for, you know, yeah. the work they put in. Yeah. To, to bring this to the public. Yes. And yes. then Open Gardens WA for, you know, getting it together. And yeah. it's really a pretty schmick operation, right? Yeah, no, they've done an amazing job. Absolutely. So uh, we look forward to trying to get down to see that one, actually. That, I think that's one that I'm going to have to track to for sure. Um, 94841927. Would you like to do a quick email? Yes. Okay. Uh, in no particular order. 
Uh, Paul from Rockingham has written in about his broccoli and Brussels sprouts. He's growing in pots, but they have been getting eaten by green caterpillars. Mm. All but the stems have been munched off. And he's sprayed with a food-friendly product from Bunnings and uh, the, the caterpillars started falling off. So he wants to know, will the stems recover and still produce or should he start again well certainly with the brussels sprouts and this hot weather yeah, not it's happen. all over red rover yeah. broccoli <coughs> can can re-sprout uh, depending on what variety it is mm. and for caterpillars if you do need to spray anything my go-to of course is the diapel or caterpillar killer which is organic uh, and safe to put on edibles but on the flip side Pollinators, predators and parasites that come into your garden use caterpillars for food. They also use them as hosts for raising their young. So if you can avoid spraying caterpillars, it will be best. Okay. All right. Let's go to Butler. We're talking about sweet corn and apple cucumbers. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Rain. Faye, how are you today? Very well, thanks, Chris. How can we help you? Um, I just about a month ago, I planted um, 40-odd corn kernels in the garden. I only had one sprout out of the whole lot. Oh, where did you get your seed from? From uh, Woolworths, but uh, um, well on to an date, used by was uh, 2020 seeds. They're the white and yellow cobs. Did you use actual corn? No, no, no um, corn seedlings that come in the packet. Yikes. Okay, so oh. seeds. Yeah, oh, we thought you were talking about the actual corn. Yeah. Um, well, oh, that's... Yeah. Okay, um... I'm just wondering because in my experience when I've planted things like broad beans, I've got bandicoots that come in and you can actually see where the seeds have gone and there's a little snout mark in the soil. So something could have come along and eaten them. Uh, parrots will no. eat seed? No? No, I, um, I, I, I dug the soil over and um, I found a few of the old seeds and they just turned to mush. So they just didn't fire for you, is mm. what you're saying? So yeah, they weren't viable at all, except yeah, for one. yeah. But well, uh, since then I've uh, re-dug the soil, I've put um, chicken, cow and sheep manure with uh, blood and bone and everything all mixed in. And I'm, I've gone to plan B. Try okay. again. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Well, that's a, a good idea. And maybe if they if they did turn to mush, then that indicates that soil at that time may have been too wet. So if you have added a lot of products that is staying wet, um, the good news is that as the weather is getting warmer and we've got these winds, you are less likely to to have damp problems in your soil because everything's starting to dry out. So as long as your corn gets going quickly, puts down its roots, put up shoots, hopefully this time you'll have some better success. So um, how often should I water it? 
Well, you want to keep them moist. You you don't want the soil to be so soggy that the seeds rot. So that depends on how how rich your soil is. You can get a moisture meter and that might help you. You can put your finger in, but remember you've got manures and whatnot in there. So just be mindful of that. Um, yeah, and are you hand watering or are you irrigating with automatic reticulation? Hand watering. Okay. You know, I would think for a crop like corn, you could at least be watering every day. I usually water it early in the morning. Yep, that's good. That's good. But certainly a moisture meter might help you as it's growing if you're not sure about whether it, you know, how dry the soil is and, mm. and how damp it is deep down. Yeah. And the other question is, I want to grow, I, I finally, after about 40-odd years, I've never seen them in WA, um, apple cucumber seeds. Oh, they are around. Um and yeah, I've, found, I've finally found some. Oh, lovely. Yes, they're on my they're radar gorgeous. too. I want I to grow some apple, apple cucumbers. Oh, that's good. plant them in pots. I've got a couple of um, large pots. And do I need a trellis to put them up on? Yes, ideally, yes, you do. Yes. And how many... How many seeds per pot can I put in? How big are your pots? Oh, I can tell you very, very quickly because I've got my tape measure. <laughs> oh, okay. Are they like if they're big pots? You could you could put a couple probably in one pot, and I'm thinking your pots are probably thirty to forty centimeters. The bigger the pot, the better, because yeah, One's 50 centimetres and one's 45, and they're both uh, 300, and the other one's 400 feet. Yeah, I, look, I would say you could probably put two in. Yeah. Um, and maybe put a saucer underneath the pots because when they're fruiting, they're going to need a lot of water. And as the temperatures get warmer and we get more drying winds, uh, you'll have to keep on top of it. I really think a moisture meter would be helpful for you, Chris. Okay, Chris, we have to have we have to wriggle on to the next call, Squire. All right. Thank okay. You very much, good luck. Bob. Thank you. Have a good day. You, you too. too. Bye. Cheers. And actually, we do have to go to a break. Lynette and Mary, let's chat to you on the other side of this. And you're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening on 100.1 FM. Let's go straight out to the lines. Lynette, thanks for waiting. Morning, Lynette. Oh, hello. How are you? Good, thank I, you. I took my mum to, to bigger, bigger trees on Thursday. Yes. And she bought a Granny Smith and Pink Lady apples that oh. got across cross pollinate. Oh, lovely. Them. And um, a Sunshine Blue uh, um, Blueberry. Compact rose, wow, gerbera, and a, um, a camellia, a quarter volunteer, beautiful pink one. Oh, sounds lovely! What so a she had yeah. a field day. She loved it. She's absolutely loved it. Oh, it's a great 
day out and it sounds like yes, a beautiful is. haul and a nice mixture, a nice variety of goodies. They um, did. They had lovely lot of stuff. They really do. It's and a big selection. too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, no, so. We, uh, we will be giving away another $75 voucher before nine o'clock, actually. So your feedback is very timely, Lynette. We love to yes, hear what yes. you get up to with the vouchers, and I'm glad. Oh, it's lovely. Glad it was, that your mum enjoyed it. Yes, yeah, she does. She t- t- oh, she was still raving about it the next day. Brilliant. <laughs> she, she's happy. She's very happy, and she she loved the prices. It was really good. <laughs> it's oh. good to hear. That's wonderful okay. news, and thank you for dropping and letting us know. Okay, thank you very much. Good on you. Take care, Lynette. Bye. Cheers for that. Bye. And let's head to Wembley. We're chatting with Mary. Good morning. Hello, Ray. Hey. Hello, Mary. How can we help you? Uh, you can. Um, first, I want to just say your program is absolutely gorgeous, fabulous. Oh, thank we you. Every week, so we've learnt a lot. But oh, that's so good. I've got a problem. I've got a lemon tree and a lime tree, and they're only three to four years old. Um, and they flower, they produce a little um, bit of fruit, and they all drop off. Mm-hmm. And that's and we, quite we, normal we, for young citrus trees. It takes three to five years for them to, to really get going, and only about 5% of the fruit will set. Uh, but what you want to make sure of is that, uh, particularly at the flowering time, they're not stressed uh, for moisture or nutrients. So when the weather starts warming up, when we come out of winter, uh, slow-release fertiliser, mulch, maybe some compost around the, the root zone because they do have very shallow roots. So you want to keep the moisture in there. You don't want them drying out and keep the water up to them. Yeah, uh, well, I think we've done all of that, but anyway, we'll keep at it. Um, but it's frustrating to see so much fruit on it, and then the whole lot of them uh, fall down. And we have been putting potash um, on and citrus um, fertilizer. Are we doing the right thing? Uh, yes, you, potash encourages flowering and fruiting. So be mm-hmm. careful about adding too much of anything at one time because that can shock a tree and in, and okay. then it drops its fruit. Um, so you don't want big changes. Kind of little and often is better. I like a controlled release fertiliser for flowering uh-huh. and fruiting plants because it has everything in it. And, you know, I'm sure I say this every week. You've got the nitrogen, potassium and phosphorus, which are the main nutrients, and then you uh-huh. have a range of trace elements. And so mm-hmm. if you if you do that, you know that the tree has got everything it needs. And then on top of that, it's just often environmental conditions. So if the big winds come at the wrong time, that can affect your crop. Uh, if you forgot to water it and they dry out at a time they're trying to set fruit, that can be another factor. So just little things like that you might like to look back on and see if, if a, an event happened at the time that it was fully loaded. Oh, I'll take more notice then. Okay. Yes, yes. Will do. Thanks, babe. You're welcome. Good Have on a you, great Mary. Day. Cheers. Thanks, Ray. Bye. And let's head to... Oh, she's just disappeared. I was just about to go to Henley Brook and uh, she's gone. Okay, let's go to Yanjabup instead. Charlie, good morning. 
Good morning, ladies. How are you? Oh, good. very good, thanks, Charlie. How can we help you? Um, uh, what's the secret of growing lucky bamboo? Well, we don't seem to have a lot of luck with it. Is it inside? Yeah, inside, yeah. Yeah, Gosh. in in the... Mm. Uh, in mm. water or in soil? Uh, both, both, yeah. Mm. Uh, the, what's the water, watering re- regime... Um, the, we've got one in the lawn, um, in the laundry there, in the water. It seems to be okay, but you know, it doesn't seem to grow very fast. Mm. Uh, light will be a factor, and nutrients. So, if it is growing in water, and these were a big fad oh. years ago, weren't they? Fifteen Everyone years had ago, one. or something, or oh, more. more. Yeah, I used to see them sitting on people's windowsills. Yeah, and you could get like plaited ones. Yes, and yes. Woven ones. They're meant and... to be lucky. Good luck. Yes. Yeah. Well, they they're good luck if you can grow them. All right. <laughs> um, but yes, bright light would be. Um, mm. They would like bright light. Uh, they, they're not mm. going to be so happy in a dark room. If they're in water, you could add nutrients to the water. And I'm pretty sure that they, they probably even had a product that went with the Lucky Bamboo as a liquid food for water. If it's oh, okay. in soil and it's been in the same pot for a long time, you know, it might need a bit of oomph. So you might need to repot it with an indoor plant mix and, you know, maybe give it a little spell outside on a patio where it gets morning sun and good airflow and bright light and and give it a little liquid food as well. Liquid food, is it? Uh, what, uh, what sort of liquid food would I use? Oh, there's a lot of general purpose um, power feed, miracle Grow, Aquasol, Thrive, um, yeah, I got that thrive. And, yeah, and okay. that will be fine. And just probably half strength okay. would, would be fine. And you'll, okay. well, you should see with a liquid food, the results often come fairly quickly. It should green up and put on some new growth before too long. Yeah, because I've seen some, God, you know, they're fantastic. I thought, how do they do it? You know, they just, in some of these... Um, News agents and that. Got well, a, yes, the, and they will be feeding them quite regularly if they've got them up for sale, I'm sure. No, no, they're, they're just uh, uh, there for, um, I don't know, for luck or suppose, but they're just, they're just uh, going so fantastic. And I, we've had a couple of lots and they just don't seem to perform. Another trick, Charlie, is to have, have a couple and rotate them inside to outside. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right, ladies. Good Thanks luck. very much for that. Well, You're good welcome. luck. Thanks, Charlie. Okay, now we do have to have a short break. On the other side of this break, we're going to give away a $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. Curtain Radio. And you, we will be going to the 9am news very, very soon. Now, as promised, we're going to give away a $75 gift voucher. You heard a previous call and they rang in to say... All the goodies that they bought with their $75 and uh, perhaps a dash more. Uh, good on you guys. And uh, it shows you what you can do up at Bigger Trees. So if you would like to go shopping, you must be a Curtain Radio member. Not to have won a prize in the last 28 days, please. Now, they are frangipani ornamental and fruit tree specialists, as you already know. And Bigger Trees have exciting stock arriving each week. Heaps of colourful spring delights for you to see. 
and some of their frangies are close to or flowering already. Mine have begun to flower. And more frangies are being added to Bigger's collection weekly. And Kerry says their fruiting trees are fruiting up beautifully as well for you to see. So for big plants, guys, and little plants, bigger trees have it covered. And they do deliver across the metro area too. Now you can go to their Facebook page for updates uh, and they are open from Thursdays through to Sundays each week. And look, if you go to biggertrees.com.au, biggertrees.com.au, have a good browse and see what they're all about. There's a lot to have a look at. Okay, here is your question. This one is quite an easy one this week for you. According to the song, what flower grows in Spanish Harlem? According to the song, what flower grows in Spanish Harlem? Give Bev a call now on 94841927. Good luck. Okay. As I said, we'll be going to the news shortly. Uh, Faye, let's squeeze in a few emails if we can. I will do my best, Ray. So we had a follow-up email from Alan in Maylands, and you might remember that he rang us about a bottle brush and can I just interrupt? In I don't know if Bev's listening. Oh, she's done it. Sorry. I Bev had all the calls blocked on hold. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Alan sent in pictures of his distress bottle brush and we learnt that yes. the Kings Park bottle brush were in decline across Perth and some councils were actually removing them all. Um, so the arborist came and inspected mm. his mm. tree and found nothing other than old age had contributed to its demise. Yeah. Its time was simply up. He said there were no borers or white ants to be found. found. And he explained that white ants are seldom the cause, but more so opportunistic and they move in when dead is wood. Yes. Uh, what is dead? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. that's right. We know right. what you mean. <laughs> yeah, so it, we've had many more reports. And, in fact, yeah. we were talking about this at the Sundowner last night where there are many uh, bottle brush across Perth going into decline and it is probably simply a case of old age. Their, their end of their life has come. Uh, and I suspect that... You know, you may be able to keep something going if it's in growing in peak conditions. But with water, you know, backing off a little bit, if you're going from three days to two days and you've got a tree that's not coping very well, mm -hmm. that might just be the nail in the coffin, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, moving right along, Sheila has sent in a beautiful photo of a Phalaenopsis orchid and it's in flower, it's a lovely pink, and this is the moth orchid. It has grown and sent shoots out at the top, so it's made another little plant at the top. So can I split it once it's finished flowering, or is this how they go? No, what what you can do is when it has finished flowering is uh, just remove that plant and pot it, and you will have another plant. I, with a lot of things, we don't interfere with them when they're flowering, Mm. We enjoy the flowers. When it's finished, yeah. that's when we do the work on it. Make and this changes. goes right across the board. Yeah. In fact, one of the things I thought we should mention today is how the annuals have come to a sudden end. I <laughs> pulled mine out in the last mm. few days, yes, yep. yes. So I've I've got lobelias and cornflowers. Yeah. And what I will probably do is go around with a large bucket and I will deadhead the cornflowers and I will save the seeds, mm. keeping them dry. And maybe even the lobelias, I might just chuck them into the bucket as well because I've had lobelias self-sowing from last year. So that way, 
saving the seeds and then I can just pour them over the garden yeah. in autumn yeah. and, and get some new yeah. new plants. And the lobelias hang in there too if they're in a shaded position. Well, mm. this is it and enough moisture. Yeah, which, definitely. Yeah, which is changing and suddenly. And I do love lobelia. I love the blues. I, I really uh, enjoy them. They make a great a companion great plant in mm. hanging baskets Gorgeous. with geraniums. They're yeah. great little fillers and they... Yep. Certainly add a splash of colour. We need a, a summer equivalent, right? We do. Now, I with know. my Everlastings, I'm going to leave mine in the garden <clears throat> as dead as they look because I've had little parasitic wasps, a beautiful emerald green one and one that looks like a lolly with an um, orange abdomen and black and white stripes. They're just gorgeous. Mm. And um, so it's host to other other insect life. Yeah. So I'll leave those there. If any self-sow next year, that's fine. That'd be great. Otherwise, I'm just going to buy more Everlastings and do more again. Mm. And we've just about knocked our rabbit problem on the head, I hope. We've have. dealt with them this week. Uh, it's hard, yeah. isn't it? It is hard and probably not something everybody wants to hear about. But, um, yeah, we, we're taking steps to manage the feral rabbits. Mm. Mm. Oh. Yes, okay. All right, we've got about 40 seconds before we go into the news. We do have a winner, uh, Pamela from Hillary's. Good on you, Pamela. So a $75 gift voucher will come from the station to you this week to Bigger Treats. So enjoy that. Let us know what you get up to. Now, the question was, according to the song, what flower grows in Spanish Harlem? The answer was a rose. Now, some information from John, because these are John's little quizzes. According to Cliff Richard and Ben E. King, it's a red rose. However, when Aretha Franklin sings the song, it's a rose in black. Mm. So it's a little, little twist. But at the end of the day, the answer was a rose. So good on you, Pamela. That gift voucher will find its way to you this week. Enjoy. We shall return. Nine o'clock, everyone. Mostly sunny today, the maximum of 29. Right now we're sitting on 20 and the humidity is at 49%. Now overnight the minimum should drop down to about 15, maximum tomorrow of 27. There's a 50% chance of a shower or two. And looking ahead to Monday, you're looking at a maximum of 30 and partly cloudy. And I'm looking at the rest of the week, we've got 30s and 31s and 32 by next Friday. So we're sitting at 30. That's still manageable. It is. In the yep. garden. <laughs> we'll take it. Not that we have any choice. All right. Coming up very soon, we'll be chatting with Jody Rowley. Now, it's Frog ID Week, and this is a leading scientist. Uh, and we're discussing frogs and their importance uh, in, our, in our gardens and for everywhere. And the fact that they are diminishing and uh, what we need to be doing about it. And just people are probably not aware to the extent of how important they really are. Meanwhile, we're in Durian Bay. Helen, good morning. Hi, Helen. Oh, hello, how are you going? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, We've got Jodie on the line, so we'll have to be quick. I will, very quickly. I just heard that you were managing your rabbit problem and I'm just wondering how on earth you've done that. Okay. First thing, I did as much weeding of the bush as I could. And in doing yes. that, I was able to identify uh, their habitat and warrens. So yes. we worked out where they were living and then uh, looking at the scratchings around the property. And then I contacted a, a couple of groups, actually. One of them was a natural 
area management um, and the other one was Alpha Pest. So they had some ideas about how to to deal with them. Um, so I didn't do it personally, but I did my homework to understand where the problems were and then handed over to the professionals. Thank you so much. I, I will chase that further along. <laughs> All right. Good luck, Helen. Thank you. Thanks. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. It is a big problem out mm. there, isn't it? It's not a nice problem no. uh, to deal with, but um, unfortunately does have to be uh, managed, no, no doubt about it. As we were just discussing, we're speaking to Jodie Rowley. What can you tell us about her as her lead-in? Well, um, everyone loves frogs, yeah. and Jodie is very passionate. I've come across her um, radio interviews and talking about uh, a disease that was affecting frogs, actually. Mm. But Frog ID Week is about engaging citizens, so she'll tell us more about that. Okay. Jodie, good morning. You're with Ray and Faye. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's lovely to have you here, and, and how exciting. So you're the lead scientist uh, in Frog ID Week. I am indeed. So, yeah, very very lucky to get to work not just by myself um, or with the team at the Australian Museum, but with tens of thousands of people across Australia and helping understand and conserve our frogs. And how does it work, Jodie? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's all based around the Frog ID app that you can download for your smartphone. Uh, and the fact that every frog species has a different call. So we've got 249 frog species in Australia uh, and each one makes a, a very different call. Uh, and, and Perth has some fantastic examples uh, mm. and, and surrounds them some really different calls. So all you have to do, download the app whenever you hear frogs calling, press record, uh, record their calls for, for 20 seconds um, and then submit that. You don't need to know for sure that it's a frog or what frog it is. Uh, a team of experts at the Australian Museum, including myself, will then listen to those recordings, identify the frog species in it, uh, and together we're building a massive database. We're really hoping to reach one million records of frogs uh, in just over six years. So we're hoping this year we will crack one million. Uh, and, of course, well, this is Frog ID Week. We're almost at the end, midnight Sunday. Uh, so tomorrow, midnight, midnight tomorrow, uh, is the last day of Frog ID Week and that's when we're trying to get this really good annual snapshot of how our frogs are doing. Wow. And it's not just a one-way app, so it's not just about us recording and, and sending the data to you. I've looked and used the app and we can actually click on the different frogs and listen to their sounds, sounds. and just about identify some of them ourselves, can't we? Yeah, definitely. And you learn pretty quick, you know, what frogs are around you. So it's a great way to get the, you know, the kids involved as well um, out there sort of learning what frogs make, make what noises. Uh, it's a field guide as well. So uh, you can filter it by near, near you and, and you can just see the species that are likely to be in your area and you can look at all the cool frogs in Australia, see their photos, listen to their calls and learn more about them. But yeah, it, it definitely the main, I guess the main purpose is, yeah, recording frog and if you can match it with the calls and um, let us know what what frog it is otherwise we'll we'll let you know i know that we've got lots of tadpoles at the moment um and i was wondering about the um we have to be careful about not moving them to different areas yeah so it seems tempting especially if you build a pond in the yard not to to wait for frogs to move some local frogs from uh you know down the creek or in a dam or something like that but it's, it, depending on where you are in Australia, it, it's usually uh, not allowed to, to do that. Uh, but also, it's just crazy how if you build something, frogs will come. Oh, you know, I built yeah. a pond in 
in my backyard within three months I had three different species calling in it so they're they're sort of bouncing around and and in order to not sort of spread disease or or sort of introduce species that shouldn't be in your exact area um, it is best just to wait for the frogs to, to come themselves. And Jodie why are frogs so important? Well, they're a really important part of healthy ecosystems. Mm. So even though they're kind of tiny themselves, they should be pretty common. Uh, so if you sort of get out in a flood or in the, in the outback, you realise just how, how many frogs are around the place. Um, and they're a really important thing for connecting freshwater and terrestrial ecosystems, energy flows, food webs. So uh, frogs are eaten by a lot of things. They help support the birds, reptiles, mammals. Um, tadpoles help compete with mozzies. And they also um, keep the algae down in, in streams and creeks as well. So uh, we desperately do need frogs. They are a vital part of, of ecosystems. And when they disappear, it sort of has a whole knock-on effect, um, which we, we don't want to have. And in Australia, we don't have a great track record in frog conservation. We've already lost at least four, probably more like eight different species. And, uh, and why is that? Why is threatened? Yeah. Uh, a combination of things, uh, but disease is a really big one. So, you, yeah, you mentioned before, we, we believe that we somehow introduced an amphibian disease called the amphibian chytrid fungus into Australia, maybe in the 70s, uh, and it sort of was spread around the world at that time. Uh, and our frogs were not, did not evolve with that, so they were hit really, really hard. Um, but frogs are also habitat loss and modification, introduced species, climate change. Uh, you know, they are very, very sensitive indicators of, of habitat quality, environmental quality. So, we, you know, I guess frog ID is, is, yes, it's about the frogs and it's about their calls, but it's also a great way of monitoring sort of your ecosystem health and environmental health as a whole because frogs are just so sensitive. So what does it mean if, say, for example, you don't really find any frogs in your yard that you're not aware of any? What would that suggest? Well, you'll only sort of hear them if you've got somewhere probably where they think they can breed, whether that's, uh, you know, a pond or a creek or something like that. But if you have something like that and you don't hear frogs ever, uh, you know, not even after rain at night, which is the best time, then it might be a bad sign in, in terms of the, the sort of water quality, the habitat quality in the area. So it definitely would be a much better sign if you had frogs croaking at, you know, different times of year, especially after rain. Mm. Okay. So we're not we're not going to hear them all croaking right now, are we? No. So it, it I guess particularly in in WA there tends to be sort of or in Perth and the Southwest there tends to be sort of two rounds of frogs. So there's the the spring and summer frogs. So you get things like the motorbike frogs now uh, calling, uh, and then you'll get like a whole different other set of frogs um, calling pretty much in in sort of autumn when you get those autumn rains. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you we are there are frogs calling um, in Perth and WA and, and everything at the moment. Um, most certainly, we're getting a lot of submissions from Frog ID Week. Oh, great. Uh, so yeah, it's um yeah really great to get out there and, and have a bit of listen in your local park or uh, local creek or dam. Um, there are frogs calling right now. Yes, I did have an interesting um, night one night where I heard, I thought I heard a duck quacking, and when I sort of googled what quacks at night because I know our ducks don't really, um, turns out there's a quacking frog. Who would have thought? So aptly named. I know there's actually, I think Perth has, or in sort of southwest WA, has a lot of really aptly named frogs, you know, like the quacking frog, the rattling froglet. But, you know, everything's kind of the hooting frog, the moaning frog. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of frogs that are named after the noises they make. And the moaning frog is one of my favourite, that sort of Yeah. <laughs> and Jodie, how did you start? How did you get involved? What, why, why your passion for frogs? I just fell in love with how amazing they were. You know, I grew up yeah. in the city in Sydney and, and I didn't really 
sea frogs. Um, and it wasn't until I started going out camping with my friends at university, seeing these amazing creatures, and then kind of at the same time realizing how much trouble they were in and how important they were, mm. uh, that I decided to do whatever I could to, to help save our awesome amphibians. Well, you're doing a great job. Your your passion comes through and you just, yeah, you bring it all to life. So we're very pleased to have you on our show today and, and talk to our listeners about frogs and how they can help with Citizen Science and the Frog ID app. I'll download it uh, today because I definitely heard a lot of frog activity in my garden during the week in the, in the evening. And there was, uh, you know, quite a bit of calling going on. So I will definitely sit and record that. It'll be fun. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right, Jody. we'll let you get back to your weekend. Thank you so much for joining us. Actually, we've just got a quick question for you. Mm-hmm. One of our listeners has rung in. Um, she's asking how to help frogs get out of her pond. Uh, okay, so that it, it does seem strange sometimes that frogs can drown in water because you think they're very aquatic. But a lot of frogs are not that great in water. They can't swim for that long. Uh, and they need sort of either shallow sides or something that they can climb up. So if you're a very steep-sided pond or pool or things like that, you can buy uh, these sort of little floating laddery things that that help wildlife get out of pools or just sort of chuck in some sort of some wood or something like that that the frogs are then able to sort of climb out of um so they 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 not not all of them have toe pads they can't all climb up steep sides some can but not all of them so yeah giving them a bit of a nice sort of easy access um it really helps things and i i have a friend i was talking to the other day and she's actually got tadpoles in her water feature Mm, yeah. We have tadpoles right now. She's been putting uh, an umbrella up and everything to keep the water nice and cool for them. Yeah, yeah. So it's very, it's very cute. But yeah. they like oh, algae in their water for food too. Yeah, yeah. So you need some yes. sun. Mm. Yeah, yes. It's usually better not to feed the tadpoles. I know people. You know, you can put boiled lettuce and things like that in, but that oh. can make the water quality pretty bad. Usually, there is enough algae and things that the tadpoles will sort their cells out there they you know the frogs obviously thought it was a good enough place for their babies so yeah usually, usually i see okay oh interesting stuff all right <laughs> now we really will let you go thank you so much for your time this morning my Jody. pleasure thank okay, you go well take care thank you bye Bye. bye. what a delightful lady Abs- absolutely yes and with like natural spaces one of the things that that triggers tadpoles to develop is lowering the the water space that they're in so Mm. with the weather warming up so you've got tap holes in a water feature or whatever or even if it's just a a bowl or bucket as the water evaporates that is the trigger for the tadpoles to develop to grow legs and turn into frogs Mm. if they've got a big water source often they won't actually develop as quickly They'll just stay being tadpoles. Is that right? Because there's no trigger. No trigger for Mm. them to... So wetlands will, you know, go up and down. Mm. So it's a Mm. natural trigger. So if they're in a water feature, uh, do you keep the water, do you top up? Well, you just do what you do. Because the water can get warm. Yes, but they they know. They're they're quite okay with with that. If the water gets hot and the water evaporates, Mm. they will grow legs. They'll turn into frogs and they'll hop away and live where frogs live. Okay, isn't that interesting? Mm. Yeah. And so remember when we talked to Johnny, we talked about ponds and where to locate them and locating them in some sunshine where algae grows because that is food for frogs. Mm. Uh, now, Karen, with the how do they 
how do frogs get yeah. out? Just like your bird baths where you would have, have a, a stick, stick there for bees and insects to be able to climb out, you do the same thing in a, po- a pond. So you'll have a horizontal log laying down so that they can sun themselves during the day or climb out if they need when to. When they need to. Yeah, mm. okay, like it. All right, guys, I can see free lines, 94841927. Let's crack on with our emails. <laughs> I will do my best. So Bronwyn of Alexander Heights has sent us in a photo of a lemon tree that's had a very hard cutback. Mm. It's put on a whole lot of new growth and it's all it's all coming up, out of the trunks and stems. So I would just, uh, with some gardening gloves, run my hand down the trunks and just remove a lot of the, the branches the regrowth that you don't want. If you want a tree-like structure, then just leave the growth up the top. I would also reclaim some of the the base. Citrus trees are shallow rooters, and this has got grass growing right up to its trunk from what I could tell. So I would clean that up, make a basin, and give it mulch, and that's where I would give it good amounts of water. So when you're feeding your trees, you, you feed around the drip zone. So basically your tree looks like an umbrella. Mm-hmm. So on the outer areas is where you would give it fertiliser yeah. and keep the uh, mulch over the shallow roots and give it good deep soaking. Mm-hmm. So root compaction and competition from grass is not good for trees. And we, we have another one that's similar. We got a photo in of I see an that ash. a lot on people's verges where the grass oh. goes right up to the trunk of the tree. And some of them do okay, but some yeah, don't. And the I one that doesn't that. is this one that Robert sent in, uh, and a flowering ash that's been planted four years ago. It doesn't appear to be growing. It It really doesn't. It looks spindly. It's got some leaves on the top but it looks like a, a tree that you would have found in a small pot so looking at the base once again there's grass growing right up to it the grass doesn't look lush and green uh, so I'd say it's not getting a lot of water and maybe cars parked there so it's compacted so one of the things that you can do with a pitchfork is go in push it down and lift it up a bit add a bit of uh, compost, fertilise around the drip zone and give it some good soakings. Make sure that that water is really getting in there. But also, if it's come from a pot that was root-bound, maybe it wasn't the best specimen in the first place. Mm, okay. So, All right, we'll be back in a moment. When we return, we're chatting with Karen and Kim. Curtain Radio in Twenty-three minutes after nine, you're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening. Coming up at ten a.m., we've got the classic '60s with George Minoldi. Minoldi, trying to get that out, Raylene. Okay, now let's go to Queens Park. Karen, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I was listening to that lady uh, about the frogs. I this is the first time I found frogs in my pool. I'm so I'm so I hate missing that pool. It gives me so much work. This poor frog, it was sitting, luckily I looked in the skimmer box. It was standing there on its hind legs, uh, putting oh, its nostrils out of the water. Dear, oh dear. And, and, and it happened twice now within the last couple of days. And uh, it's a big, a big green frog, a beautiful frog. I usually have got dark, like grey-brown frogs in my garden. I've got plenty of frogs. 
but it's the first time. It's, I thought it might be a tree frog, but aren't tree frogs much smaller? That was about as big as my hand, almost. Mm, well, it's right, a beautiful yeah. green frog. Oh, how lovely. Well, they're amazing at being able to adapt their colours and camouflage. Yeah, it's just that I, I thought, oh my God, how does a poor thing get out of the uh, can? Uh, can get out of the pool? I was thinking of a of a ladder. You always, you always hear that the, 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 the frogs go up a ladder, for, uh, but um, um, it's a bit difficult for me to put a log in there or something. So just put uh, um, something there that floats, Karen. Anything that floats in your pool, like uh, even, uh, even a like a noodle. I, I left a pool noodle in there, although yeah. it looks a bit like the rolling oh, yeah, thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But something flat, you know, you can get uh, pretend water lily things from aquarium shops. Uh, you can get well, anything that floats. Piece of yeah, polystyrene. It doesn't get sucked into the skimmer box then. Well, then it's just got to be big enough somewhere. not to go in there. Piece of polystyrene yeah. would work. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yes, I might do that because uh, I know you you can get stuff, but everything has to come from America. When you find when you try to find something on the internet, everything is is Amazon from America, and it takes a long time to get it. Karen, here. just use a stick out of your garden. You throw a stick into your pool, it will float. Yeah, I will. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Now have a lovely day. Thank you. you I've too. got plenty of work to do. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay. Good. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. And let's go down to Banksia Grove. Kim, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good, Great thanks. Good. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to make some comments about, you know, the decline in, in frogs. Uh, I bought a property in next to Yalagonga Park in Wanneroo 2015. Yes. And not long after we moved in there, there was this one night, there was this phenomenon, what I call a phenomenon, because I was go, go, driving out to pick up my son from his little part-time job. And... Frogs were coming up from the lake, going up all in the same direction up the streets because we were close to the um, the uh, Yalagonga Park. All sizes, from the size of your nail to your hand, thousands. I'm talking hundreds of thousands were just coming up, coming up out of the lake this one particular night. I, and it was even so hard to drive because you know you were going yes. squirt, squirt, yep. squirt on the way. But from that night onwards, I've, we've never had or heard many frogs because there's the motorbike frogs in there. But because around that same time we had a lot of midgey issues yeah. and the Shire or somebody decided to dump, you know, the pallets. And I think that's where the, the big decline has occurred because since that point we used to hear them all the time, all the time, mm-hmm. and, and it stopped. It just got worse and worse. And now if you go down, you can, you can hear them sometimes on certain nights in the lake, but not not in your garden like they used to be. Kim, was that a wet night? Yes. Okay, because the, so. the other yeah. thing that happens, I know we used to drive out to Southern River um, and on a wet night we would come home from Southern River to Jandicott and there would be frogs all over the road. And yeah. they, they would... They were moving around because it was the trigger for them to come out and breed because there was is? water around. But There were all sizes, all shapes yes. and sizes. The size, yep. like I said, size of your nail, little ones, and big the size of your hand, mm. and they were just everywhere. The next day, the, the birds had a clean-up time yeah. on oh. the road. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what's happening now, like 
when we drive back from Southern River, there's so much more development that yeah. there is not the bushland, there is not the wetlands that there used to be. So, you know, classic, their habitat has yep. disappeared. Now in that area, there's mm. nothing's changed development-wise. The park's still the same and everything. But they still... Um, I, I understand they still do the pallets and I understand and they also come in and spray around the borders of the bush yeah. which also affects, which also affects the turtles and I don't know why they do it but, but the turtle life has dropped as well yeah and the, and but, you know what we try and do here is um, advocate the importance of looking after the ecosystem mm. and that yep. everything has a place in it and when we okay. use insecticides, we stuff up further up the chain in some way. The aren't listening. They're just not listening. Many of our councils have a lot to answer for, Kim. Yeah. We can do our best yeah. and we can keep spreading the word. Yeah. Thank you. I just have to say my piece. No. Yeah, thank you. Good on you. Kim. Okay, cheers. cheers for that. Bye-bye. And we got a nice email too um, in the last day from Peter Jane. Uh, she had a green life voucher and she she went shopping and she sent us a bootload (laughs) of goodies for us to see what she did she's got lupin mulch in there and she's got vegetable mix and she's got plants and she uh, absolutely as she said her boot is overflowing she said lovely staff out there great advice uh the service was great and nothing was too much trouble and she has to return again after she's planned what she bought <laughs> so good on you we will give away that green life 75 dollars gift voucher very very soon well they would love the people that we send them wouldn't they? i should think so because uh, we our have great customers are, our listeners are um, happy yeah the best friendly yes absolutely mm. that's why we do what we do 100 percent. so <sighs> yes all right i know uh carry on All right. Uh, Steve from Naranda has asked, can I let my lawn grow right up to the trunk of my seven-year-old citrus tree? At the moment, I maintain a two-metre area under it for mulch and fertiliser. Yeah, you can, but I wouldn't recommend it, Steve. I think you're doing the best thing now because when you allow grass and lawn to grow right up to the trunk, it's harder for the tree to access the fertiliser you put down. It'll be going to the lawn, so Mm. then there'll be competition. And I've said it quite a few times, citrus trees have shallow shallow roots. Mm. So they don't need competition. You don't want lawn growing up to the trunk. No, I don't like it. You can't manage it properly. You then still have to get in there, particularly if it's kaikuya, then it will go up the trunk and it will, the leaves will be coming Mm. through the top of the citrus. Mm. So, yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Uh, From Dave, hydroponic gardening. Love your show, ladies. I'm setting up growing veggies in my backyard and looking into hydroponics. Can you assist me with information as who to go to for the best advice? I see lots of ideas on YouTube and would love to actually physically talk and or view an existing setup. I'm a handyman and can adapt items, etc., polypipe to create a system. I would prefer not to buy an existing system. He wants to well, do it himself. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I don't know where you can actually view a do-it-yourself system. When I was doing aquaponics, I came across a lot of people who yeah. were doing it uh, DIY as well as hydroponics. So they're certainly out there. But 
go, you know, if you're on uh, the internet, go to the Facebook groups um, and, you know, just start asking. Often you'll get suggestions, you'll see images, you can ask questions. It is a great interactive way to share information. And I dare say you probably might find that sort of thing on YouTube. Oh, and he he already has. But mm. if our listeners have got um, ideas, please call us and, and let us know. Uh, because to setting yeah, up your own Dave, Dave hydroponic like system. To, yeah, yeah, and you can use all sorts of polypipe. You can use mm. any of your buckets. There's quite a few different systems. I've been looking into it. I've been out to Hydroponics Express and I've been speaking with Delia because I want to grow some tomatoes and cucumbers, mm. beans and strawberries, and I want to do herbs. So it is going to be the most water-efficient method of growing fruit and vegetables. Mm. So you just have to work out what you want to grow and then the system or style that's going to suit you. Mm. Power, light, water are all going to be other important factors. Okay. Mm. All right. And let me see. Amber of Ashfield said, thank you for your comments on the ecosystem. Such an important topic. Many thanks. That's nice of you to let us know, Amber. We appreciate that. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes I... I feel guilty when people are looking for a solution to pest problems and mm. I won't do what the retailers are doing, saying, mm. "You use this chemical, use this. I just, I can't because I know the that it affects everything, yeah. you know. Mm. On the, the next hand, you know, you've got people that want to bring birds into their garden or frogs or mm. reptiles mm. and, you know, having that habitat mm. where where everything's welcome and recognising that even pest caterpillars play a role in the system. That, and it's something that fascinates me, Ray. I want to know about every everything that lives on our property. I want to know what it feeds on, who feeds on it, who mm. uses it How, what's and connection? what for, what yeah. it looks like. Yeah. I want the beautiful photos of mm. them. And this week, this tiny little emerald wasp emerald colored with red eyes was in the center of one of my everlastings that was dying down so the paper daisies Mm. last forever this tiny little black dot that when i got a photo of it and blew it up yeah that's what i sent you a photo i know i know i know i mean it could be a brooch it's that pretty and i just can't see I mean, <laughs> I'm half blind. It's, well, the, you just look for a dot. Yeah. A dot mm. on a white petal or something and then Photograph you look it. closer. And you've got to sit there because if you just walk along, you won't see it. Like no, I was no, bending I down close up it. and then the the macro lens to to get the full picture because yeah. you just can't see it with your eyes. No, no, no. Especially not these eyes. Oh, right, quickly, one more thing. This affects you and I. Our high school is having a 50-year reunion on the mm. 8th of December, Corrine High School. Right. Mm. And? Well, we should go. We should go. <laughs> and we, sh- we should tell all our school friends about it. And anyone Kareen that went to Corrine High School around, who is around now 60 years of age. Well, we were 10 back then. If we were 13 when we went to high school. No, I know, but if it's their 50th anniversary. But we started there 47 years ago. Right. So we were there after, mm. like, mm. we were 
they were still getting through, like the older groups. I know were when still we were there, going so it was a new high school. Mm. Yeah, it was. And we'll have yeah. to make sure Mr. Selkirk's there. <laughs> He'll be listening. Uh, yeah. Oh dear. All right. And Fred Marshall be there. He he was the headmaster. And see, I, I don't remember I heard, any of this. I heard he's like ninety-five years old. So, yeah, lots oh, of memories. Wow, he's still going. That yep. is incredible. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Those were the days. I don't know. I I would I. No, I couldn't wait to get out of school because I had horses and I mm. I wanted to get to them. And so that was my thing at high school. I marked my time. I even did my homework in lunch breaks and morning tea breaks and that so that I had more time to be with my horses <sighs> after school. I mean, yeah, that's well, how I Well, I used to go surfing. Yeah, yeah. Walk down yeah. to North Beach or Triggs when mm. the blue hole was there. Yeah, Remember yeah, the blue hole? It's yeah. not there now. No, I know. Yeah, a few people got sucked into that. Yeah, yeah they did. I know. Would you like to win a $75 gift voucher from Green Life Soil Co? They're located in Middle Swan. Paul and Linda Michener are the proprietors. Now, we caught up with Paul and Linda last we night did. at the Straw Farm. Yeah, it was really nice seeing their little cherub cheeks. And uh, <laughs> they they are they are iconic in the industry and they support the industry so well. And uh, we certainly thank them for that. Now, you must not be a, must not have won a prize in the last 28 days. You do have to be a Curtin FM member. Now, Green Life Soil Co. are not just another soil yard. Delivering a greener garden is their motto. And they currently have in stock a great range of organically grown veggies, herbs, medicinal, bush tucker and flower seedlings. Speaking of bush tucker, we saw Mark Tuchek last night. <laughs> we did. And they also have a lot of those harder to find different uh, seedlings uh, for you to grow in your garden. Now, check out the Green Life Soil Co. monthly newsletter because it has heaps of timely information. I got mine yesterday, lobbed in my email. It's free. Just register online to become a member by going to greenlifesoil.com.au. Recommend you browse their Facebook page too for updates and they are open Monday to Saturday. Now, for your chance to win a $75 gift voucher. It's a true or false. Now, this is another one of the John specials. Well, well, well. Okay, just have to keep your mind open. True or false, the Celtic people believed that bees should be told if their owner had major changes in their life, such as marriage, birth of children and death. The Celtic people believed that bees should be told if their owner had major changes in their life, such as marriage, birth of children and death. Is that true or is that false? Give Bev a call now on 94841927. Okay, one minute before a break. All right, I'll start with Lois's email. She called up about black spots on roses and has mm. stopped watering in the afternoon. She's bought a water meter and now waters um, second daily in the morning uh, unless the meter indicates the plant needs more. The black spot is improving but not going away. And the thing is, you've got to look at the new growth. You won't; It won't repair the old growth. Those leaves will still stay with black spots. Um, so maybe take them off and I would say monitor the new growth. If it's not going away, if it's something else, send us a photo so that I can have another look. Mm. Um, and on to her next question. Uh, Hippiastrum that is in a smallish pot it looks like it's going to flower when should I pot it on once again once it's finished flowering and you know hippiastrums can be maintained in very very tight pots mm. 
just make sure that you know it does get enough moisture but they don't need a lot you can at this time of year put a saucer underneath so mm. if it needs more water it can access it. Take it, up. it sort of wicks it up through the roots and lastly I want to plant a kangaroo paw uh, is now the right time of year to do it well you know you can have good results if you prepare the soil well plants are in flower looking fantastic around the place at the moment and yes I would do it now mm. I, I would you would do it. you would top up a garden because they're the plants in the nurseries look fantastic in full bloom at the moment yeah oh yes indeed mm. okay we'll be back shortly and you're with Ray and Faye this morning, listening to Let's Talk Gardening, of course. We're cracking through some emails. Our lines are open, 94841927. And you can also send us an email too by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And don't forget, we do post a podcast of the program each Saturday on our Curtain Radio website. You go to the front page, so curtainfm.com.au. Uh, click on programs. There's a drop-down bar. Then click on gardening and away you go. Okay, let's get on with some more emails, right? Yes, so this please. has come from Sheila uh, and this is from last week. I have a patch of daisies in full sun. They were doing wonderfully well for months but are no longer flowering. The plants look green and healthy but no flowers. I have kept up with regular deadheading. Good mm. job, Sheila. Um, the thing is they flower very well in spring and autumn and will probably spot Way flower more. through mm. summer. You know, they they sort of ease off with the hot weather. But what you can do is give them a, a liquid fertiliser for flowering plants. That may help. But it's probably really temperature related. So nothing you're doing wrong. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, a quick explanation of the difference between blood and bone and blood and bone-based fertiliser, which is best to use on citrus trees and cottonwoods. And this is from Trevor. Uh, What you used to get was blood and bone, and it was simply that. Now Mm. they add fertiliser to it. So to make it a more rounded, balanced fertiliser, they might put in potassium, which helps with the flowering plants. Not so great on some of your natives. So just be mindful of that. Um, but yeah, look at at the ingredients on the pack to see what is in it. That's mm. the only way. You know, they're coming out with new blends all the time. All the time. And I, I got caught out once. I put the blood and bone based fertilizer on some native plants and they went backwards yeah. because not all will tolerate it. Yeah, quite right. Uh, this email's just come in from Lois and she says, have I missed the blue-banded bees this year? I have a Hibertia that has been attracting them for the last two years and I just don't know. Um, they, they're coming. They are out and about. I've seen a few, not seeing lots of multiples yet, but I think you'll see more as more flowers, more purple flowers come out and also um, their numbers build up. Mm. So they're, they're certainly out there. I think the hot weather will uh, bring them out as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, our days have been a little bit hit and miss. Yeah, very hit and So miss. they're, they're starting. Mm. Uh, this is from Shane. He sent in a photo. He has two Pierre de Ronsard roses, a pink and a red. Mm. Both are planted in full sun on the outside of a small open frame shade house. Pink is growing beautifully, but the red has a problem. 
flower stems dry and go black and brittle. Uh, he had an infestation of aphids earlier in the season, but soapy water and ladybirds together has fixed that. Well, I do just wonder if this has been impacted by perhaps the 35 degree day. We did have a, a couple of very hot days and yeah, my roses, some of them have fried on the bush. Yeah. So if they're coming up to to burst, um, if they're in bud, I would get out there and pick them ahead of any very hot forecast weather. So is that a stem damage or just rose damage? Well, it's not chilly thrip. I can't see the picture from the there. the yeah. the leaf actually looks quite good. There's yeah. no evidence of of any pests on the leaf, no. and the flowers don't look distorted at all. No. They just look like they came up yeah. and got hit with the sun, yeah. and the red might be sort of not as strong as the pink. Or it may be the position it is, mm. it's in where sun mm. comes through, you know, as the sun is moving in the sky, it mm. may then get the peak of it where it's not been used to it, perhaps. And we do have a winner of our gift voucher from Green Life Soil Co., Maureen of Wattle Grove. I think we're getting different winners and different names coming through all the time, which is great. So good on you, Maureen. A $75 gift voucher will be mailed to you this week compliments of green life soil co let us know what you do now it was a curly question the celtic people believed that bees should be told if their owner had major changes in their life such as marriage birth of children and death true or false the answer is true they thought the bees would either fly off or die if they were not told now in some places the bees would even be given cake and wine during a funeral mm. I don't know. what do you think of that well there is a movie uh, called Tell It to the Bees. Yeah, I had a bit of a look at the trailer and it it looks mm, a little bit uneasy, I think is the word. Mm. Um, but yeah, Tell It to the Bees, it, w- it was about the, the fact that they should be told what, what is going on because they have a relationship with the owner okay. and it's very, yeah, very deep. Okay, mm. yeah, yeah, Need yeah. to find out more about it. All right, now we're in Mundijong. Valerie, hello. Hello, girls. Uh, I'm just ringing to ask, is it the right time to trim my camellias? Yes, I think it is, Valerie, because I was out there with my head trimmers yesterday and noticed that they were putting on some new growth and I went, right, it's time to whip you back into shape and encourage some more growth while they're still pushing out new shoots. So, yep, absolutely, Oh, good. I have trimmed back my azaleas and fertilised them ready for next year. Uh, but I was wondering too about the camellias and the leaves that are falling. We're having so many days of strong winds here. Yeah. Uh, will they, those leaves be okay to leave on the surface of the ground or yes. should I pick them up? Yes, that will improve the soil um, as oh, they good. break down. And with your azaleas, when they reshoot, you can even trim them back again. So you'll oh, get good. more, you'll get a, a stronger, bushier plant and you'll get more flowers next year. So oh, you can prune them back a couple of times to do that. Oh, oh, thanks very much, girls. And I listen to the program every Saturday morning and I appreciate your time. Oh, oh thank, thank you. you. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Lovely Thanks. to hear from Take you. Take care. Thank you. And Bye. Carol of Martin called in. What veggies can be planted at the moment, please? Tomatoes, cucumbers, capsicums, eggplants, basil, 
parsley, mint, grow it in water. Um, then you've got uh, garlic, chives, chives, spring onions. Uh, what else? Corn. Yes, definitely corn. Beetroot is year-round, rainbow chard or silver beet and spinach. Mm. Um, lettuces, that should get you started, no, that's, that, it? that's a lot. That's mm. a lot. A lot of my favourites. Well, they're all on my radar. That's what I'm looking at doing. Yeah, well, as you're reeling them off, I'm going, yes, yes, yes. Well, and of course, uh, rock melons, pumpkins, yeah, any of the vine crops. And what you can do is uh, string up like mesh and put it up and over to make an arch and Mm. grow other vegetables underneath, like Mm. your lettuces can grow underneath. Yeah, yeah, because they need a little bit more. Yeah, so it'll make a, like, you could do a pumpkin palace. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? All right, we will return shortly. Radio. We appreciate your company this morning. Hope you've enjoyed Let's Talk Gardening. Lots to get through till 10 o'clock. Uh, so we've got about seven minutes to go, so hit it. All right. Bernie from Duncraig has written in about his um, camellias and... They're not doing too well. So the he says they've recently started adding boron to most plants in the garden, along with trace elements, using a watering can and wetting the foliage with the mixture in case it's boron deficiency. I, I am absolutely not a fan of that. Plants need minimal amounts of boron. So to add one element is is not probably the right approach. If you think it's a deficiency, add trace elements, but I would add them in the form of uh, either a liquid or a complete fertiliser that has all the list of trace elements there. That way you know you've given the plant what it needs and it can access what it wants. Also, it's in Duncraig, so it's possible that the pH of the soil has gone up rather than being acidic. So that could be another factor why... The, the plants are not doing that well. It's more about the flowers and I I suspect that it is a nutrient deficiency as well as soil pH. Uh, you could add pine needles to the top of the soil. That does help acidify the soil and it will also help mulch the plants. But go, go with a complete fertiliser. Yep. This is for everyone. Don't try guessing about what it might do. De- be deficient in if you don't know. Mm. Same approach with pests. If you don't know what you're dealing with, don't just hit treat, it with everything. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the varieties, depending on what variety it is, it could be susceptible to that. So let's find out what variety it is and then we do our homework on that plant with a specialist that knows about them. So someone from the Chameleon Azalea Society. We got an inquiry from Andrew about a yellow lantana. Now, he's been having trouble sourcing the yellow one from nurseries, being told it's now classed as an obnoxious weed. Now, just wondering who makes those decisions and was it made by someone in the eastern states? It may be a problem over there, but haven't heard of it being a problem here. Well, I know back in 2007... I was actually working in the Green Life Department and they banned Lantana Camara. But people were still growing it in their gardens. Now, because they've now put this yellow Lantana on the uh, weeds of national significance, 
nurseries are no longer allowed to sell it. I suspect that that probably means if you're growing it, you don't have to take it out of your garden, but I'm not sure about rules on um, transporting it or propagating it and or selling it privately um, it, as it's a declared pest. But, yeah, rightly so. It hasn't been, to my knowledge, a pest in Western Australia, but we're under the banner of Australia. So, mm. yeah, I agree. It's not really fair. All right, and there's an email here from Gail sent to us, uh, let me see, I think last week yes. actually, uh, and she was listening and very happily to Dr. Daryl Hardy. Um, now, she's talking about how she looks after her plants and something she likes to do is get a piece of PVC pipe around 50 centimetres in length, drill some holes with that along the length of the stem and then plough it down like drill down and plant it around the root zone of your plant hmm. and then and then you can flood with yeah, water get the water to the root right down and she does yep. this with uh, a grevillea she's got called torchlight and she said she's just had incredible results with that because you're really getting the water exactly to the zone where it needs to go and more quickly yeah and another thing you can use the same principle it's called a worm tower yeah. And you can actually feed your food scraps down into that pipe, put a cap on the top, yeah. and the worms free range in and out. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that as well. So, and she's also mentioning about um, with large pots, etc. She's found that taking a half a bucket of soil from the top of the pot before spring growing season and topping it up with soil improver, mulch, and slow release kicks them along amazingly well. And she does that. Uh, with her lemon tree, I think, which she said she's uh, going along fabulously well and she liquid feeds often. So great advice. Thank you very much, Gail. We appreciate that. And the picture that you've sent us through, yeah, your plants are just um, look like they're on steroids. They're going oh, so well. absolutely. Well, yeah. they're given love. And I've just got two more emails and okay. we're caught up, right? And then up this question up here, which is an easy one to answer. So this is from Marika and she says she loves the show. Just a question on my gardenia. It has yellow leaves, buds are formed but die off before they can bloom. It's in a pot, had it for years but always have trouble blooming. Yes, what I can suggest is a liquid food for flowering and fruiting plants, maybe a wetting agent because it's been in a pot for a long time. Both of those things will help but if it has been in the pot for a long time, repotting it into the next size up pot with camellia and azalea potting mix because they like an acidic soil and I'm sure it will do a lot better. Also give it a cut back and then that will encourage new growth and more blooms. And then the last one is um, from Bunny who's in Morley and then it says from Pamela so I'm not sure. Leaves constantly dropping off old and new, many spotted, assuming it's a disease or black spot been a long time now, have only used white oil, gets enough water. I do move away from the stores, from the stones from time to time. So there's stones around the top. Get bucket loads of sunshine, of course, in that spot. I'm no green thumb, but this tree was looking okay until this problem started. I pruned a nasty lot of the bits off, but it comes back. So um, it doesn't even say what the plant is i'm not sure if it's oh, a rose can't help mm. and a picture have you got a picture nothing no. okay well that would have been more helpful so 
All yeah, right, a, a picture to diagnose what the problem yeah, is. And Katie mm. of Midland called in and she's wondering what type of fruit question mark is on her camellias, about as big as a tomball marble. Can you identify, yeah. please? And these are the seed pods that have yeah. developed. So yeah. sometimes camellias will self-sow underneath when these are left long enough to develop the seeds drop and then they can reshoot and then you get a new camellia depending on what you've got in your garden so and what you the bees have done. On, would you leave them oh, Well, on? I know I cut off a couple yesterday when I got out my hedge trimmer. Yeah. Um, but I did leave one or two on just, you know, if it if it happens to self-sow once they've dropped, that's fine. But, Good and yeah, well. I've got other things to do in the garden. Yeah, okay. Look, thank you. We've worked hard this morning. Thanking Bev Daring and John Glidden, of course. George Minoldi with the classic 60s. Uh, we'll keep you entertained till 12 noon. Leave you with my gardenism for the morning. Let us live like flowers, wild and beautiful and drenched in sun. Look after yourselves, everyone. Happy gardening. We'll be chatting with you next week. Cheers for now. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.